Well, good day, everyone. Welcome to The Journey this week. It's the fourth Sunday of Lent. We're really moving at a rate of knots. Where's the week's going? But hopefully you're starting to consider the events of Easter, the Passion, the events of our salvation as we get closer and closer to Holy Week and uh, an Easter Sunday, recognising that there's no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. There's no new life and resurrection without uh, without what Jesus did for us. And and uh, in the Catholic Church, who I'm a part of, who puts this show together as we contribute to the wonderful thing that is Christian radio, ecumenical initiative of spreading the gospel and spreading the truth and the joy and the freedom that comes in, in embracing the gospel in Christian radio stations right around Australia. We, uh, we're really privileged to do it. And we're really privileged to do it in this season, which for which for us and for many of the sacramental churches is a time of repentance. It's a time of deepening prayer and breaking open the scriptures. And we're, we're certainly going to be hopefully helping people to do that this week. As you hear from the likes of Ken Bryant, who wants to talk to us about standing firm when he speaks to us later in the show. Father Mike Delaney is going to be talking about uh, Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus in his God in the Everyday segment. Great to have Sister Anastasia Reeves back on the show this week too. She's uh, going to talk to us about doing what the angel of the Lord asks. And uh, she's doing that as a bit of a reflection on St. Joseph. Mother Hilda Scott is going to um, talk to us about tragedy and trauma and um, seeing and sometimes not seeing or not, not being able to unsee stuff. But to kick us off in the great series that he's giving us as we journey through Lent, Father Mark DiBattista is going to talk to us about true spiritual sight. This week it's John 9, 1-41, and the blind man who comes away with his sight restored. Let's get into that now. Let's hear the gospel proclaimed. Max is going to do that for us. Max Norden, he's our sound editor, and proclaim the word of God for us. After Father Mark then breaks it open, we're going to hear... Psalm 22, put the music, and it's also recorded in our diocese, which accompanies our Lenten program. Beautiful rendition of Psalm 22, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. After the break, Mother Hilda Scott will be giving you her wisdom from the Abbey. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and thanks for joining us on the journey. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus went along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, for him to have been born blind? Neither he nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. He was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as the day lasts, I must carry out the work of the one who sent me. The night will soon be here when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground, made a paste with the spittle, put this over the eyes of the blind man and said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, a name that means sent. So the blind man went off and washed himself and came away with his sight restored. His neighbours and people who earlier had seen him begging said, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, yes, it is the same one. Others said, no, he just looks like him. The man himself said, I am the man. So they said to him, then how do your eyes come to be open? The man called Jesus, he answered, made a paste, daubed my eyes with it and said to me, go and wash at Siloam. So I went and when I washed, I could see. They asked, where is he? I don't know, he answered. They brought the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. It had been a Sabbath day when Jesus made the paste and opened the man's eyes. So when the Pharisees asked him how he had come to see, he said, He put a paste on my eyes, and I washed, and I can see. Then some of the Pharisees said, This man cannot be from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How could a sinner produce signs like this? and there was disagreement among them. So they spoke to the blind man again. What have you to say about him yourself now that he has opened your eyes? He is a prophet, replied the man. However, the Jews would not believe that the man had been blind and had gained his sight without first sending for his parents and asking them, Is this man really your son who you say was born blind? If so, 
how is it that he is now able to see? His parents answered, We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he can see now, or who opened his eyes. He is old enough, let him speak for himself. His parents spoke like this out of fear of the Jews, who had already agreed to expel from the synagogue anyone who should acknowledge Jesus as the Christ. This is why his parents said, He is old enough, ask him. So the Jews again sent for the man and said to him, Give glory to God, for our part we know this man is a sinner. The man answered, I don't know if he's a sinner, I only know that I was blind and now I can see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He replied, I have told you once and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples too? At this, they hurled abuse at him. You can be one of his disciples, they said. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man replied, Now there is an astonishing thing. He has opened my eyes and you do not know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but God does listen to men who are devout and do his will. Ever since the world began, it was unheard of for anyone to open the eyes of a man who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do a thing. Are you trying to teach us? They replied, and you, a sinner through and through, since you were born. And they drove him away. Jesus heard they had driven him away, and when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Sir, the man replied, tell me who he is that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You're looking at him. He is speaking to you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and worshipped him. Jesus said, It is for judgment that I have come into this world, so that those without sight may see, and those with sight turn blind. Hearing this, some of the Pharisees who were present said to him, We are not blind, surely. Jesus replied, Blind? If you were, you would not be guilty. But since you say, We see, your guilt remains. The Gospel of the Lord. And now, the Gospel Reflection with Father Mark D. Batista. Today, St. John takes us on a journey into what true spiritual sight consists of. As so often happens with the Gospel writers, the lesson that comes out is not what we might have expected. This event took place outside the temple from where Jesus had just departed. The Pool of Siloam was nearby. It was customary around the time of Jesus to associate those with a disability, whether from birth or during one's life, as somehow being the result of sin. The law taught that people should be kind to the lame, the blind and the poor, but this was not always the case. However, Jesus sets the record straight about disability and its origin, thus setting the stage for what was about to unfold. Moreover, the man remains anonymous throughout the episode perhaps because he is symbolic of all those who come to spiritual sight in Jesus. The making of a poultice with spittle was seen in some Gentile areas as a form of medical treatment. But for the majority in Jewish culture, it would have been vulgar and therefore the man would have felt uncomfortable to undergo the treatment. According to the prevailing interpretation of the law, the making of a mud poultice on the Sabbath would have been viewed as work, and thus breaking the Sabbath rest. Whereas sending someone to wash had clear spiritual allusion to Naaman, or perhaps to the washing of purification common amongst the Jews. The interrogation begins when his neighbours and some previous onlookers from his begging days disagree on whether it was the actual man born blind or just someone who looks like him. The man himself settles the dispute. The key word over the next 22 verses is knowledge, because those who are supposedly knowledgeable of the law, the Pharisees, are shown to be ignorant. And the one who is supposedly ignorant of the law, the man formerly blind, is shown to be knowledgeable. 
The word is used ten times. Not surprisingly, however, the people are more interested in how it happened rather than in the fact that it happened, and so give praise to God. The Pharisees, on the other hand, are the supposed bearers of knowledge. So the man is brought to them to verify the wondrous act that had taken place. Yet, even after seeing for themselves, they do not wish to accept the reality, because they do not wish to believe. So they send for the man's parents to testify and ask them the same question. Once again, however, the supposed bearers of knowledge are still ignorant, because they do not wish to believe. Belief is ultimately a decision. They treat the man harshly and unjustly, even though the Pharisees had a scrupulous set of rules for questioning and cross-examining a witness when establishing the truth in a dispute. The treatment of the man violates Pharisaic ethical teaching when their prejudice about his sinful state as a man born blind comes to the fore, and he is eventually expelled from the temple and presumably from the religious community. Saint John shows that faith in Jesus is the key to true knowledge of the law. It is a decision. This is demonstrated by the man's fullness of faith, which leads him to an act of worship, something reserved to God alone. By contrast, the prejudice, insincerity, and refusal to believe demonstrated by the Pharisees result in an ever deepening blindness, which elicits a final judgment from Jesus. That their guilt remains. True spiritual sight consists of faith in Jesus. You're listening to the Journey: Music, Interviews, and Wisdom for Living Life to the Full.
You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Now, Wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda. Have you ever noticed the billboards that one finds along the motorway or in airports? They feature a huge empty white advertising space and carry the caption, Unsee This. I wonder for a few minutes anyway what I might put in there if I had a chance. The sign hits on a great human truth. We cannot unsee what we have seen. Whatever we see has its influence until the day we die. That, of course, is one of the tragedies of trauma. No matter what people do, they cannot unsee the horror they have witnessed. I remember talking to an old woman once, Polish immigrant, let's call her Anna. She had been a young domestic worker in a hotel for officers during the Second World War. Anna was old when I knew her and could no longer physically or emotionally keep the horrors hidden. I spent hours in her company over a cup of tea as she lived them again in telling. Anna had seen hundreds of people shot and pushed into mass graves. She had seen torture and she had seen unthinkable hunger and deprivation. She could even remember names. Around the corner from her lived another Polish immigrant, Katerina, who had likewise seen comparable horrors, perhaps even worse. She had lost an infant son to unspeakable cruelty. Katerina, however, though elderly, was full of life. Somehow across the years, because of her deep faith and love of God, she had managed to see these events differently. In life, it is not what we see that has its lasting effects. It is how we see it. It seems to me that this gospel today has a great deal to say about seeing and unseeing. Jesus saw the man who was blind. The Pharisees wanted him to unsee his perception and experience of Jesus, and they wanted his parents to unsee their son. The locals were not sure whom they had seen. The man in question was certain about who and what he had seen. He had seen mercy. He had seen compassion. He had seen recognition. He had been vindicated for all the years he had been wrongly accused of being a sinner. He had seen love and he could not unsee it. It was to shape his life forever. And what about you? Have there been times when you too have seen and your life has been changed? I imagine the first sight of your baby son or daughter changed you. Have there been times when you too have tried to unsee and it has just not worked? How have you come to see it now? There is an old African way of greeting which says, I see you. In the gospel, Jesus could have said the same thing to the man born blind. I see you, even though you cannot see me. The encounter that followed when Jesus came looking for him and found him, ensured that he did truly see Jesus. Maybe you can remember a time when life was against you and someone rang you up or called in or sent an email or text and you found that you were not alone. That was Jesus seeing you too. Perhaps this week you might just be aware of what you see and cannot unsee. God is hidden behind the vision. There is just a chance you will also see your triumph when it comes. Thanks to Mother Hilda Scott there. That was beautiful. Just fantastic. Today's gospel, seeing and unseeing. Jesus saw the blind man. The Pharisees didn't want to see him. And how we are called as Christians to be the the hands and the feet and the responders to the Spirit in seeing each other and responding and reaching out to each other and uh, listening to the promptings of the spirits and of the spirit holy spirit in doing that okay thanks to mother hilda scott 
after the break, you're going to hear from Sister Anastasia Reeves. It's her piece from the Triumph Lenten series, the Daily Scripture Reflections. And she's got some reflections on um, Monday for the fourth week of Lent. The feast day readings connected with uh, St. Joseph. And looking about his, uh, looking at and breaking open his, his great yes to God. Stepping out in bold, trusting faith. That's after the break. First up, though, is some music. Kathy Viljoen, Somebody Touched Me. And Rhonda Vincent's After the Break, Music's What I See. Faith, hope, love and life. That's what the journey's all about. You're on it. And I'm so pleased that you've joined us. Some great stuff coming up after the break. On the journey, faith, hope, and love for life in all its fullness. I was down all over Broadway when I heard a plaintive sound. There must have been a hundred people gathered all around. A blind old man sitting on a stool. No one made a sound But he sang Jesus loves me 
Another Triumph series Lenten Reflection. Here's Sister Anastasia Reeves and her reflection on Matthew chapter 1 verse 24. He did what the angel of the Lord told him to do. He did what the angel of the Lord had told him to do. Joseph, a humble, hard-working carpenter, lived in simplicity and obscurity. Through no merit of his own, he has been promised a beautiful young woman, Our Lady. Little did he know that through Mary, God would dramatically transform his life. He is invited to raise a divine child with many unforeseeable consequences, arranging for the baby's birth in terrible circumstances, fleeing from a murderous local king, living as a refugee, moving home again, and so on. At a natural level, God's request was very strange and his plan demanding, calling for heroism. Yet in the moment of the angelic invitation, Joseph is silent. He remains silent in all that follows. Like many of the best of men, he sees no need to speak. This life, this mission, is a gift from God. In obedience and without fuss, he did what the angel of the Lord had told him to do. From this startling but hidden beginning unfolds the greatest adventure of human history, the advent of Jesus the one who is to save his people from their sins. By doing what the Lord asks, despite the heartache and difficulties, Joseph cooperates in God's saving plan for the world. Remarkable. While our lives may be even more hidden than Joseph's, God also asks us to live with great courage and love. May we, like Joseph, in humble, no-fuss obedience, do what the Lord asks, trusting that in our own small way we are also cooperating with Jesus' saving work. Jesus, in calm silence, help me obey your plans for me and for the whole world. Amen. Thanks very much to Sister Anastasia Reeves there and a really poignant message about doing just as St. Joseph did, doing what the angel of the Lord asked, listening to God's voice, listening to the prompts of the Spirit, obeying the commandments and... uh, 
living with great courage and love. Wonderful message. I, I love Joseph, St. Joseph. What a hero. What a man. Let's face it, God uh, God knew what he was doing when he was choosing Mary and Joseph to, to be the mum and the dad that Jesus needed as he was uh, growing up. After the break, you're going to be hearing some more good stuff from uh, Father Mike Delaney. He wants to talk to us about uh, Zacchaeus and a file he opened, a file he created to get rid of some clutter. And uh, he's got some, you know, anyway, it makes sense. It's it's a good one. That's after the break. He's uh, Caleb and Kelsey, King of Kings. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. We're moving at a rate of knots, but you're still on the journey. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the Hope, love, and life. This is The Journey. And now, seeing God in life's everyday events, here's Father Mike Delaney. There are some of you listening who might be blessed with what could be called the tidiness gene. Your home, your office, your whatever is always neat and tidy. Sadly, I wasn't. So when the Church of the Nativity in Baltimore, USA, started a new message series titled simplify, I sort of knew what it might be about. As the first week unfolded, Father Michael White, the pastor, 
spoke about the need to get rid of the clutter in our lives. He suggested that clutter gets in the way of what we're doing. It distracts us from what is important in our lives. Recently, when I opened my Journey Catholic radio file to see how many God spots were still to be played, I saw a file without an attached audio recording. So I opened it. It simply said Zacchaeus and nothing else. I wondered then what I might have been intending to say about Zacchaeus. Usually I put some notes to go with the heading so that when I come back to it later I would know what I wanted to say. But this time I had nothing. So the question became, do I delete it or work something out? And then I remembered that the homily I had listened to about Simplify a few days earlier had also talked about how clutter stops us being able to focus on what's important. And then Zacchaeus made sense even if it was for a totally different reason. The message series I'm currently preaching is titled Called to Mission, and it looks at how we respond to God's invitation to be witnesses in the world by asking how we are responding to the events of our everyday. So back to the story of Zacchaeus. It's found at the beginning of chapter 19 of Luke's Gospel. As we know, it's the story of a man who heard about Jesus and wondered who this man was and he looked for a way to at least see him. And he did, by climbing a tree. When Jesus saw him, he called him down and invited himself to a meal at Zacchaeus' house. As the story in Luke unfolds, we hear Zacchaeus pledging to make restitution to anyone he had cheated. Not just by giving back what he had taken, but by giving them four times the amount he cheated from them. We're not told how this change of heart affected Zacchaeus' wealth, but it would have changed his life completely. He was uncluttering his life in a very different way, but he was now open to the Lord in a real way. Opening a file, listening to a homily, trying to put a God spot together, getting it to hear, not what I would have thought when I originally created a file called Zacchaeus. But then... Isn't that the way God frequently works in our lives? So what have you missed today because you weren't prepared to follow through on a random thought? Hi, I'm Michael from Cornubia, Queensland, and you're listening to The Journey. Rock of ages cleft for me Let me hide myself I draw this 
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. The Triumph Lenten series continues with Ken Bryant and his reflection for Thursday 23 March on John chapter 5 verse 43, You refuse to accept me. Throughout his time of ministry, Jesus was frequently confronted by the scribes and Pharisees, the leaders of the people of Israel, often charged with blasphemy and of defying the laws of Moses. Jesus was repeatedly challenged to justify his teachings and to defend his actions. In all his responses, Jesus faithfully stood firm in his missionary purpose, that all would know the extent of the never-ending, compassionate and merciful love of the Father, a love that Jesus, as the Son of God, truly embodied. This, too, is our calling. As Christians, we are called to be an embodiment of God's love, in faith and in all we do, for we are indeed the handiwork of God. As Pope Francis so astutely notes, it is through our actions, undertaken with love and good cheer, that our faith germinates and bears much fruit. During Lent, the Church embraces and encourages a number of traditional practices that better enable us to deepen our life of faith and to manifest our love of neighbour. Through our life of prayer, we are nourished and strengthened in faith. Through our almsgiving, we reach out in compassion to others in need. And through our fasting, we enliven our spirit so as to become more fully aware of God present in our lives. In observing these Lenten practices, we better enable ourselves to be the face of Christ in our world. With God's grace, we may also embolden others to enter into this experience of such love. Surely the triumph of the resurrection is the ongoing growth of the kingdom of God in our midst. May our faith and good work help bear such wondrous fruit. Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.
with Donna Wright and the Worship Initiative and, and the song The Passion. Before that, it was great to hear again for the second week in a row from Ken Bryant, who spoke to us about standing firm and how, just like Jesus, when he was confronted by opposition and obstacles in his own ministry, he stood firm in his missionary purpose. And uh, we've got to do that too. We've got to do that in keeping the main thing the main thing, keeping God and God's designs and God's promptings and the core elements of the, the mission of the gospel firmly in our sights. Thanks to Ken. Thanks to to Max Norton, who's put the show together, to, to Mike Delaney, Father Mike from down there in Tasmania, to Sister Anastasia Ruiz, Mother Hilda Scott, and uh, Father Mark DiBattista, of course, who's been giving us a great series as we move through the Lenten Gospels. More to come next week. We're uh, getting closer and closer to the events of Holy Week and to Easter. Make sure you're uh, you're really diving into that prayerfully, preparing yourself and, and thinking about how you... You share the significance of this time of year with, with others as well. We're, uh, we've got a bit of an initiative going in our diocese where we're really challenging all people that are attending churches to be invitational, to be reaching out and to be praying for and praying about who they can reach out to and, and try to reconnect them with the person of Christ, perhaps through coming to church with them over that really pivotal series of events that we call Holy Week and, uh, and, and Easter Sunday. I'm sure lots of churches around the the country are doing exactly the same. Please God they are. Okay, faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. It's been great joining with you this week on The Journey. The Journey is presented by Jude Hennessy and produced by Max Norden on Dharawal Country in the office of the Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong.